0: Hello, Health Investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Chef Frank Prisonzano. Frank opened his first restaurant, Frank, in 1998. Just a few years later, he opened two others, Lil Frankie's and Supper. Since then, his three restaurants, all in New York City's East Village, have become the go-to spots for casual Italian dining. In addition to running his restaurants, Frank shares back-to-basics cooking methods on Instagram. Rather than relying on recipes, Frank encourages his followers to learn key skills for cooking anything and teaches them how to do so in vibrant step-by-step videos. Recently, he shared a three-part series called Better Overall Health. As you'll hear, Frank has a genuine enthusiasm for cooking and food, but he's also very passionate about helping friends, family, acquaintances, and even strangers look and feel their best, which is why I wanted to have him on the podcast. In the episode, Frank shares why we can and should cook with olive oil, how to whip up the tastiest egg dish in just minutes, tips for making any vegetable taste fantastic, and more. Do me a favor. While you're listening, take a selfie, post it to social media, tag me at the health investment, and let me know your takeaways. I love seeing you in action. And learning your favorite parts of each episode all right it's time to hear from frank enjoy hi i'm brooke simonson certified nutrition coach and host of the health investment podcast here's the thing you deserve to feel amazing but here's the other thing there are so many confusing messages out there Week after week, I'm going to share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I want to help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one. So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Frank. Thank you so, so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're sharing your time. And I was mentioning off air, I always love connecting with New Yorkers because I lived there for so long. I actually lived just a couple blocks north of one of your restaurants. Um, but I'm just grateful to be able to connect with you and to chat with you today.
1: Very happy to be here, Brooke. Very happy. Let's Could you fun. start?
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Could you start by sharing just your background and how you knew you first wanted to be a chef? Uh,
1: that's interesting. It would be, I mean, I'm from an Italian background, so I was always kind of at my grandmother's, you know, leg, you know, pulling on her, you know, asking her to feed me, asking her like what she was doing. So it's really a long time that I've kind of, you know, felt an inkling towards it. You know, my grandmother, she immediately, you know, singled me out you know, to carry on all the family traditions pretty much. So it was kind of a not written, you know, thing probably from the time I was like seven years old. So, but when I, I would probably say really when it was really cemented that I was going to be a chef was probably the first trip I took to Italy. My grandmother took me when I was 12 years old and she took me to Puglia, which in like 19, this is like 1978, was very rural. And, you know, very remote, you know, area, even today, it's a remote area. So we were kind of isolated there for like 52 days. And I really got to see the real Italy, like the real rural Italy, like what it's like, you know, how they make cheese, how they make oil, you know, just an unbelievable experience. But you know, just a 12 year old who was already very interested, you know, in Italian food, obviously, because I was already doing a lot of cooking. And, you know, my grandmother was already showing me a lot of stuff. So it was like, I mean, I trace it back to this, you know, one point when I was on my grandfather's land. It was the, the first time I had seen my grandfather's villa, and he had a masseria, basically, that had kind of run into ruin. And uh, the reason we took that trip was because he had just passed away, and we had to settle a lot of his accounts in Puglia. And one of them was, you know, to get rid of the villa, basically, because they wanted to get rid of it. They, you know, no one wanted to take care of it back here in the States. So when she took me there, I just felt immediately at home there, and it was, it was kind of an epiphany moment because I turned around and it was a tiny little tree, like a little peach tree, and it was just a very small, I mean, it was almost a seedling, but, you know, yet it had this giant peach on it, like a really big peach on it, and it was pulling the whole tree down and crying out for me to grab it, you know, I mean, it was literally like one of the first things I saw, and I was like, wow, that's weird. And then I went over and I grabbed it and I ate it. And it was like just a revolutionary peach. You know, it was like, I was Mm. like, what? I was like, wow. Because I had never had a peach in Italy before. You know, I had only had them here. And they pale in comparison, really. I mean, this this is Mm. no other way to put it. And I was just eating that peach. And I was like, wow, I have a great palate. Like, I'm really picking up a lot on this. Like, I mean, I was just blown away by the peach. And I think that's when I really first, you know, started saying to myself, how could I not do this? You know, I don't understand. You know what I mean? It was like everything was just really just pointing towards
0: it. You know. So. Yeah. I think there's one thing in loving to cook and then a whole other thing in actually following through and opening up restaurants. So is that how you expected it to be? Well,
1: I, I waited a long time before I finally opened up a restaurant. I mean, I started working in the restaurant industry. When I got back from that trip, my mother was picking up pizza dough from a pizzeria out in long island because we used to make pizza every friday and my father had like a second job at this point and he, and he wasn't able to make the dough anymore so she started she found a pizzeria that would sell us the dough and you know my, hmm. my my mother was a beautiful woman she wore high heels she wore you know tight clothes you know she went in there and she convinced these italians you know to sell her pizza dough so i was like Ma, go in there and convince them to hire me. Because <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> I really want to work in a restaurant, you know. So that's what happened. She went in there. She convinced them to hire me as a dishwasher, and I ended up working there. And that's how you know the industry started. So I mean, I I was already so young, you know. When I was like twenty one, twenty two, I mean, I felt like I should open a restaurant at that point. I mean, I was already you know seven years in the business, and I was mm. at, and I was already working behind the lines and you know, cooking everything. I mean, I was considered a chef at that point. And then I went to culinary school because, I mean, I wanted to go to school. So that's why I really left doing it. But that was, you know, the reason why I got into it. So when I was 30, I was already like, you know, I had I had already almost, almost 20 years in the business. So it was already kind of late when I did it. So I really did wait a long time before I finally did it because I didn't want to do it. I was afraid to do it. I was terrified to do it because I saw... How it fucked up so many people's lives, you know. I mean, I saw so many restaurant owners, and I saw them, you know. I mean, always at always at work, miserable, yeah. you know. You know, didn't see their pa- didn't see their family, uh, non trusting of their own employees, you know, lots of ugly stuff, you know. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of that, you know. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, it was very rare to find a restaurant that. I don't know that that didn't have that dynamic in some way. So I was really scared of that. So when I finally did it, I swore I was going to do it different, you know. And, and 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 I really did do it different. And I'm and I'm and I'm really proud of that. And that's the only reason why I was willing to do it because I wouldn't. I wasn't going to make any sacrifices on any of the things that I had seen happen. I wasn't going to allow it to happen. So and it didn't. It. And that's how. I mean any other way I would have ran away from it because I never liked how
0: it looked. Yeah. What are the, some of the main ways that you made your restaurants different?
1: Well, you know, that's one of them is that, I mean, I'm, I'm very trusting of my employees of, you know, the people that work for me over our clients, you know, we're, you know, very much, you know, service oriented where, uh, I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, you're coming into my Italian home, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how we treat people. So, that's one point that I knew was going to resonate with people. And that's probably the biggest reason why people keep coming back to us is because Mm. we welcome them and, and we want to hear from them. We want to hear when they have a complaint, we want to solve the problem. You know what I'm saying? We don't get defensive. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, that we do that is really, you know, it's kind of unlike other restaurants and, you know, it makes people feel at home and, that's what I've always wanted for my restaurants is that I wanted it to feel like you were coming into my grandmother's home, you know, because that's what we're doing. We're serving that, you know, that same type of food. You know, the whole experience was really very important. So that's really the secret, you know, to my success is right that that's it. I mean, it, I mean, it's I mean, it's really quite simple. It's just taking care of people and also, of course, serving the, you know, the best quality ingredients. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm a classically, you know, trained chef who, you know, grew up with, you know, two grandmothers who could easily have been, you know, classically trained chefs, but they weren't, you know, they learned by doing everything and, you know, and by watching their family do everything. And they were in the fields, they were growing vegetables and, you know, stuff like that. So they had those connections, you know, to the land that a lot of people here just never are going to have because you're not growing vegetables. It's not common, you know, for people here to grow vegetables, you know, like it is, you know, in Italy. So you have that connection there. So I had all of that plus the classic training. And so I was able to see all the, I was able to look at all the peasant dishes from a classically trained, you know, chef's perspective and clean a lot of it up and, you know, Mm -hmm. make it even better, make it more efficient. And, you know, that's basically, you know, the secret to my success is that convergence of, you know, the classic and, you know, the rural, you know, peasant food, I was able to, you know, take the peasant food and really make it more presentable. Make it also a lot of that food, you know, they make it in really big batches, and then you know, they just, you know, serve it to the whole family. I had to figure out how I was gonna serve it in the restaurant, which was a very, very, very big deal because we had to be fast and mm. we had to cook all the pasta to order, which is something that 90% of the restaurants do not do because it takes 12 to 15 minutes to cook pasta. So that means right. you got to wait 12 to 15 minutes before you can have that dish, no matter what. And if you make a mistake, you're going to set the whole table back 15, 20 minutes. So it's mm-hmm. like, I would not compromise on that. Okay. And I figured out systems, you know, to, to make it. So we were always firing pasta. So we always had pasta ready. Okay. So it it became like a flow thing. So I was able to fix that. And that's also a big part of it too, is that we serve al dente pasta that's just cooked for you. Nothing is ever reheated, which is really important when it comes to pasta, because when it comes out of the water, it's like a sponge. You can't really pre-cook it. If you pre-cook it, you miss that moment when it comes right out of the water, when it's really a really wants to absorb the sauce because as soon as it sits out in the air, it gets dry and then the sauce can't get in anymore. So you Mm -hmm. can tell right away when something wasn't melded immediately after it came out of the water because it was left out to dry and it, and it formed a skin on it. So when you toss it with the sauce, you can just, you know, see that it hasn't absorbed it. So that was also something that I was able to fix and create a system where I could pump the food out super fast and still give you fresh cooked pasta.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I've followed you on Instagram and I love, you know, you're very active on your stories and you're always giving all these tips for cooking. So we'll definitely share where everybody can follow you at the sure. end. But one of the things that really stood out to me and why I wanted to have you on this podcast is you did a three-part series. I think you called it Better Overall Health.
1: Yes. yes, um,
0: yes. And you were just sharing some tips on that. It was a really cool series of three black and white Photos, yeah, I loved it, and I just would love to kind of dive more into that. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, what caused you to do that in the first place?
1: uh, Well, from the beginning, when I opened my places, I was also considering. I was like, I want my places, you know, to be almost like you know cafeterias. You know, I mean, I want people to come in and eat two, three times a week because it's really simple Italian food. I mean, I eat spaghetti pomodoro, you know, three times a week easily. You know, spaghetti garlic and oil, if I found a place that could, you know, really make it for me well and, you know, at a good price, I might stop making it myself. You know, I mean, I might just, you know, go to have it there. So I started saying to myself, if that's going to be my clientele, I need to also give them a lot of vegetable options and I need to keep them healthy because if my clients are healthy, they're going to eat more. They're going to have more vibrant lives. They're going to want to stay in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everything really feeds into, you know, this idea of like, why not just do everything the best possible, you know, way you can do it and also entice people to have vegetables? So I started doing a lot of arugula and stuff like that. And I served arugula almost with every dish, you know, literally. And I served sides of it and, and I get the best arugula. And I mean, I started out, I was throwing away so much, so much arugula broke. You can't even imagine. And I just <laughs> said, I don't care. Keep going. Keep, keep going. You know, today we are I mean, we have literally 10 times the amount of arugula we were serving in the beginning. OK, yeah. because everyone got used to arugula and they started liking it. They started having it with the steak. They started having it with the salad instead of throwing it away. OK. And I mean, slowly but surely, everyone's eating. Everybody's eating arugula. How do I not win in this situation? If everybody's every time someone eats my food, they feel better afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're more alert. You know, I mean. Greens is the answer to everything. I mean, I mean, it's so simple. And that's the message really is what I'm trying to say is that why not just, I mean, just by percentages, why not just say to yourself, I'm going to increase the amount of greens in my diet by 25 to 30%. Okay. That's not hard to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do. And you can, and that's how you think about the entire nutritional problem. Okay. Okay. You start with that. And then you say to yourself, well, what if I replace all my sugar with maple syrup? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's got to be better. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's coming from a tree. It has to be better than refined sugar. Why not also say, well, what about my fats? Like, what am I consuming really here? I should only be consuming fats that are very, very healthy for me. That I, that I could actually take in more calories of. And feel better and not even worry about extra virgin olive oil, grass fed butter. You know, why not pick the most nutrient, the most nutrient dense foods to offset all the cheating that you're doing on the side? Because everyone is cheating and everyone wants to cheat. And why shouldn't you be able to cheat? Okay, and you can cheat and you can cheat and lose weight, too, if you follow this plan that I'm doing, because you also fill in intermittent fasting, which is so easy to do. I mean, skip breakfast and lunch at least once a week. Who can't do that, really, seriously? Who can't get that done? Have a couple of blueberries, have a couple of almonds is completely fine. Just don't have a meal. And just get used to giving your body a break from eating so you're immediately lowering your calories every week, okay, right off the bat. So so if you're putting weight on, you're going to – you're going to stop putting weight on. If you've been maintaining your weight, you're going to start to lose some weight. And if you really want to lose weight, why not intermittent fast for two days a week? Mm-hmm. Easily. Spread it out. You don't even have to do just breakfast and lunch. I mean, it just has to be, what, 16 hours? Mm-hmm. Just find a way to do that. Sleep for 16 hours. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sleep on the weekend for 16 hours. Figure it out. There's you know, there's always a way. These are very easy things to implement into your life to really make... Drastic changes to your health. I mean, it's as soon as you take all this real food. And I mean, I'm giving you the tools, you know, to cook them. Lightning kale, candied yams. I mean, Yale, I mean, I mean, yams and kale dude. just keep mixing it into your diet. I mean, come on, you're going to be healthy in no time. I mean, it's it's so easy. It's really obvious to me. and, And I just wish everybody, you know, would give it a shot because it's like, what do you have to lose, you know? And yeah. all this food is is delicious anyway and that's really all it is it's everything in moderation that's the secret to a diet it's just that it's as simple as that and making sure that you know you, you get nutrient you know dense foods as it, at at least the majority of your calories let's say 60%
0: Right. Yeah, I love that whole push you have getting back into the kitchen getting your hands dirty yeah. learning and, some tips. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. avoiding so much of the processed food. Basically staying out of the center of the grocery store, right? Just exactly. sticking on the periphery. Yeah,
1: exactly. Meat and fish, vegetables and fruit. And then just you know, stay away from that whole other area. You don't even have to go near it, really. I mean, mm. it's it's very tempting for everybody. I get it. I mean, I go to the grocery stores. I mean, <laughs> I do these posts. on. I don't know if you saw them, but I do some posts. Like when I go into supermarkets, I get really pissed off. And and I do like rants from the supermarket where I'm like, <laughs> look at all this crap. I'm like, I mean, I mean, first of all, like there's a whole section of fucking fake Parmigiano Reggiano cheese, fake. Yeah. I'm like a whole yes. section, like like what one fake one wasn't enough. We gotta have like thirty of them, all with different labels. I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, it's like, how does that happen? And and it's and it's completely non-perishable. It's yeah. non-perishable. It's it's just crazy. I'm like, why would you want that? Like, like like how could you how could you do that? You know like and right there is the cheese counter and there's the hunk of cheese. I mean, what's like like what's the disconnect here? Why can't you pick up a piece of cheese and put it on a freaking grater? It's it it it, <laughs> it, it blows my mind. <laughs> That's why I always say, you know, I'm like, don't be lazy. Laziness mm. is killing us. Don't be lazy. Come on.
0: Yeah. I must admit, I am a little bit lazy when it comes to grating cheese, but that's what my husband's
1: (laughs) (laughs) for. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, someone in the family can, you know, can pick up the job, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, that's what, you know, that's what I do. You know, my my father does the cheese for me all the time. He doesn't mind it. He doesn't care. And you know what else he likes? He likes to peel garlic. Perfect.
0: Well, yeah. And I love dishes. I love doing dishes. So I feel like I pick up some slack here and there, you know. (laughs) That's
1: it, man. I mean, come on. You just got to share the work, right?
0: Exactly. So some practical tips for people, and especially for me, I am, I would not call myself a good cook by any means, but I love just getting little tips here and there. Um, and you have, um, when people will follow you on Instagram, you have all these highlights showing all of your methods, like you mentioned the kale and the yams. So people can definitely reference those. Oh yeah. absolutely. But I'm, Yeah. So one thing that you talk about that I'm really curious about is you say having a higher end extra virgin olive oil, a frying one. Yeah. I guess I had heard that you can't cook with olive oil. Can you talk about cooking with I olive oil? I would love that okay? to because it's
1: such a forest and I don't even know where it came from and why people are are so persistent with it. Every oil burns. And, mm. and when and whenever an oil burns, it gives off smoke and, and it gives off carcinogens. Every part of cooking that is black, a grill mark on a steak, is worse than a little bit of smoking olive oil, okay? Mm. (laughs) That's all carbon, okay? Everyone can, I mean, everything in moderation is, you know, the key here, but what's really ridiculous is that extra virgin olive oil has a 425 degree Fahrenheit burning point, okay? Mm. Melting point, basically, where it's gonna start to burn. That is way over frying temperatures. Frying temperatures are 375, 385, 395. Sometimes you go as high as 400 410 maybe 420 still not burning the oil okay so that's so first of all for most of the frying thing that most of the frying that we're using it for in my methods okay it hardly ever even hits that point so so there is nothing to worry about okay then you're going to see you're going to see other things that i do where i where i am setting the oil on fire okay and i i i am burning it on purpose okay But it's in, you know, it's in moderation and for flavor. And it only burns for a split second. It's not sitting there and burning and burning and burning. It flames up and then it's immediately doused. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not for long periods of time. So it's in moderation, just a little bit of carcinogens, just like when you grill something or when you smoke fish or when you smoke anything, when you smoke mozzarella. I mean, anything that you put in a smoke environment, is technically not going to be good for you, okay? Hmm. But as long as you keep it in moderation, as we do with lots of different carcinogens, Sears, when we make black and blue steaks, the entire outside of the steak is carbon black, okay? Right. Same, it's this. It's the same concept. It's burnt fat. This, okay. I mean, in 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 moderation, I don't think it's really something to worry about.
0: So what is your favorite frying oil? Do you have a go-to extra I don't frying want, oil?
1: I just pick what... the cheapest extra virgin I could find always. Oh, okay. That's it. I I just try to find the cheapest because that's really what it's all about. You don't want to have to, you don't want to waste a high-end, you know, fruttato olive oil from like, you know, some small little olive grove, you know, in Italy on, you know, frying something. I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So as long as it's a mass-produced oil and there are tons of mass-produced extra virgin olive oils out there, you're still getting the nutritional aspects, okay? Without spending too much money on on the oil, that's the only that's the only reason. I mean, there's you could completely you could take the best extra virgin olive oil and you could fry with it, no problem, okay? Mm. And it's gonna taste amazing, but it's kind of a waste of it because it's more of a topical oil, yeah, because so it has really end. profound flavors in it, and those flavors will will get I won't say you know burned off, but they will get cooked off when the oil cooks. So you're not gonna be able to really taste those amazing flavors in those higher end oils when you're frying with them. And that's the point there really is that okay. why bother using them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So then the higher end oils. Where do you find those? Do you just
1: I just depart? buy them all over the place. I, I'm like a kid in the candy store. I mean, I just I just <laughs> buy everything I see. I mean, I haven't had that one yet. I haven't tried that one. I mean, I just I just take them all. I mean, I have probably ten or twelve oils right now in my house. And
0: what should you look for on the label for a higher end oil?
1: Nothing. Just buy it oh, and try I'm... it. Buy it. And Got it. I, 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 This is what I say to everybody. I mean, I have a I have an IGTV post that I've. Re- that I go over this whole concept in detail of no brands. You know, what I'm saying I don't. There's no point to talk about brands. That's part of your personal journey is to decide what brands are the ones that you love. I, I love the way this olive oil tastes, and this is, and that's how your cooking is going to end up, you know, being and you know, tasting like. That's your personal choice. You don't want me to tell you that. You, you want to discover it on your own. So really, the question is, how do you discover it on your own? Well, you go out and you buy a ton of stuff? One of this and one of that and one of this. And you taste it raw right there in a container. You do the same thing with tomatoes, you know, tomatoes and cans and all products. Mm -hmm. Taste everything that's available to you and make a decision on your own. That's how you're going to learn. I can only tell you what I personally like, but that's not going to help you. It's much better if you decide on your own and you do your own investigating like I did and like all other chefs do. And it's not going to cost that much money. Every once in a while, you know, you buy another bottle of oil. It doesn't go bad, you know, within like, you know, within like a, a, who knows, six months. Maybe you got like, you know, like six or seven different bottles. Put a little bit in, into a little plate, a white plate. So you can also evaluate the color, get some really good bread and go to town. And Mm -hmm. look at the labels and, you know, remember what you like and what you don't like. And that's fun. Do it Mm -hmm. with your friends, you know.
0: Yeah, I love that. Just making it very approachable. What are the other oils and fats that you cook with?
1: I only cook with extra virgin olive oil and grass-fed butter. That's it.
0: Okay. So just keeping it simple. Because I think that's the other thing. Of It can really add up in terms of cost if you're trying to buy every single oil and
1: well, all of these I mean, different fats. I mean, I get extra virgin olive oil for three fifty dollars a liter that's pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, 450 and that's all you need to use by the way. You don't need to go out and get expensive olive oils. Even the lowest end olive oils are you know, they taste delicious. I mean, you know, there's yeah. nothing wrong with them. You don't need to have high end oils. So I mean, I mean, it's not that expensive to, you know, to switch over to extra virgin olive oil, especially if you're going to get rid of butter. Cuz let's say, you know, you don't have access, you know, to grass-fed butter or, you know, any you know, high quality butters. I would just not use butter and I would just Mm -hmm. use olive oil and that's it. And it's not that expensive.
0: Yeah. I love how simple that is. Uh, I know a lot of chefs cook with canola oil, but you talk about dumping the commercial oils and the sauces and the dressings
1: poisonous, man. I would never use that crap. That's just, that's disgusting. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how anyone could cook with any of that. I mean, honestly, I'm really upset about two things that are going on in the restaurant industry. And that's they're all using regular salt, which at this point is really is really screwed up. OK, it's not even that much more money to switch over to a to an inexpensive industrial sea salt. I would prefer that over, you know, using regular salt and they're using the worst quality fats to, mm-hmm. you know, the, for the least health. And I mean, and they're serving thousands of people doesn't make any sense. It's like, come on. I mean, get with the times, make a change here. I mean, please. I mean, everyone's health is at stake here, especially now with the pandemic. It's like everyone has to reconsider what they're doing in their kitchens to at at least try to help indirectly everyone's immune system.
0: I've heard chefs say that they use canola oil one, because it's odorless or it does it has no flavor and olive oil. Oh, that's
1: what you it. want. You want to fry things and, and you want no flavor. You're a chef and you want no flavor. That cracks me up. I mean, that makes me laugh.
0: Like, You've heard that too, right?
1: <laughs> I don't think side of, I've heard it all. It, it, it just makes me laugh. I'm like, guys, get your shit together. Really, yeah. get your shit together.
0: But then they also say it's so much cheaper. So as a chef... Can you debunk that? I mean, find how much- the money
1: somewhere else, Brooke.
0: Okay. It's, it's
1: yeah. a restaurant. Find the money somewhere else. You can always find money somewhere else. It's like running a government. There's always money to be found, to be saved in a restaurant somewhere. Go after your insurance agency. Go after, you know, haggle with, you know, some of your, your purveyors. There's always a way to find money in a restaurant. I've done it so many times. I could give, you know, classes on it, but that's what you shouldn't have had to do. I mean- you're a restaurant owner. You're a chef. You should be able to offset s- certain things that cannot be sacrificed.
0: Hmm, I love that. What would you say to ditch the salad dressings, the traditional ones that you find in oh grocery my God, stores? Oh I,
1: I don't get that at all. <laughs> I mean, that's just like I mean, I was just talking about this the, the other day. I used to work in you know restaurants that had blue cheese, Thousand Island. French, you know, uh, ranch, and they were all in those big one-gallon plastic containers with a ladle in it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like goop, and that's what everybody wanted. They wanted this, they would ask for extra dressing, and I was, and it was iceberg lettuce too, you know, it's Ooh. like, it used to blow my mind, but come on, dressings, you can't taste the greens, you can't taste the salad, you don't taste anything, you're, you're not having a salad, you're having mayonnaise for lunch, that's what you have. Okay, right. and 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 you you're wondering why you you know you're not healthy because it's also mass-produced processed mayonnaise. If you made your own mayo, like I just did today, actually, I was just going to post it tonight. I make extra virgin olive oil mayonnaise. That is, I mean, I mean, drink the stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. put as much as you want. You know? I mean, come on. You know? What I mean, I mean, I'm using. Organic eggs, extra virgin olive, oil, a little bit of mustard, a little bit of organic lemon. I mean, that's my mayonnaise, okay? If that's your, if, if that's your dressing, okay, great. Go to town. But if, if it's from a fucking jar or a can, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, it's so easy. If you really want to have a salad, don't you want to taste what you're eating? Don't you want to taste yeah. the greens? Don't you want to taste anything? Put a little salt, a little olive oil, call it a day. If you have to, put some lemon. I mean, I don't even use vinegar. I hate vinegar.
0: Yeah, I actually hate vinegar, too.
1: I don't, and every place I go, Brooke, they douse everything in vinegar. I'm I like, know. oh my god, vinegar, 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 vinegar. Everything tastes of. I mean, I, I I've sat down and I've eaten at, at places and just could not believe it that everything on the plate was so acidic. I felt like, and it was hot food that was acidic, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, like, like, what is it? What's this infatuation with acid? And and it's just a poor palate. It's a it's mm. a blown out palate. It happens to everyone your palate becomes you know addicted just like anything else can become addicted you could become addicted to that sourness and then if if you don't have the sourness you don't like anything you know that's how people yeah. get addicted to really spicy food too if they don't have the spice they don't even taste anything mm. it's it's it happens often and it usually happens when you you know when people are really young and you know they're eating unsupervised and you know their palate just becomes accustomed to things that is actually blowing i mean you're missing so much is what's really sad about it you know what i mean because there's so much else there that you're not able to taste because your palate's blown out and i really hate that about that and i've been trying so hard to get a lot of people out of that you know like as nicely as i can but it's like because there's such a world of flavor there that you're missing that is so subtle and so beautiful. It's what keeps me going. It's what makes me cry sometimes, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, and I'm like, come on guys, take the pepper off for a week, for one week and your palate will probably adjust and you'll start tasting the food again. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's like anything else. I mean, it takes a while to detox your palate. You know, like you mm-hmm. literally have to not use that thing that you can't live without for like at least a week, sometimes, you know, two weeks before you're going to, you know, be able to taste what's underneath.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're talking, it's making me think of this sort of dichotomy. It's a we want everything to be really simple. So we turn to processed foods. But then I think a lot of times when we're cooking, we overcomplicate things.
1: Yes. Oh, totally. I totally, I totally agree. And that's one of the, one of the main reasons why I'm bringing everything back to basics. Like, just like, look, this is so easy. And once you learn how to, Once you learn how to make a crispy egg, for instance, which is which is really where everyone should begin, you know, you know, with all cooking is learning about heat, learning how to fry something, how to sear something is so important because so many things become so much better when you sear them off because they Mm -hmm. get a crust on them and, and and and. it's beautiful because you're adding so much texture to it. And also you can put salt and pepper on that crust so you can create that real flavor combination of like the fat, the salt, the pepper, and the protein, you know, together, which everyone, everyone loves, everyone, you know, craves. I mean, wh- whether it be on, you know, fish or, you know, whatever it is. So you always begin with learning how to sear. So, you know, that's where I teach everybody. I'm like that's the most basic thing that I can teach someone is how to sear off a, a, a raw, wet egg. You know what I'm can saying? You just, can, yeah.
0: Could you go through that process real quick right now? Yeah, I mean, I it's,
1: it's, it's uh, absolutely. I can actually read you the method, which would mm. probably be, I just I just wrote Story it down.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: So here it is. Crispy egg method. Get a stainless steel saute pan, very hot first. Enough extra virgin olive oil to coat the bottom of the pan should smoke on contact but not ignite. Eggs eggs go in immediately after the oil. They should violently bubble up and stick badly to the pan. Quickly season the wet whites generously with coarse sea salt and dry Sicilian oregano. When the whites are firm and bright on top and the crust has formed, use a fish spatula to gently release the egg off the pan and onto a plate spread the three textured yolk back over all the whites and eat like a steak with lightning greens. Wow. So, so
0: simple.
1: It really is, but every there's so much information in there because, first of all, the pan has got to be smoking, smoking hot before the oil even hits it. And that's also because you don't want to stress out the oil. There's no uh-huh. point to it. And the oil cools the pan down. Okay. So you want to get the pan hot, hot, hot. I mean, it really is a cadence of heat because you need to get, you start off, you have to begin, you got to begin with, it, with enough heat from the beginning for almost the entire operation. Okay. And the entire operation doesn't take longer than a minute and a half. So as soon as that pan is smoking hot, you throw the oil and the oil smokes on contact. If the oil does not smoke on contact, take the pan off the heat and start over again. You're not mm. going to be able to do it. You have to have enough heat in that pan to offset those cold eggs falling into it. Okay? okay. If if the pan is not hot enough to offset that, the the egg will start to boil instead of fry, and it will stick to the pan. Now, there's different levels of how much it will stick. You, you want it to stick, but what I'm saying is it'll be hard to get it off. Okay? So really you kind of learn how much heat you need to form that crust at just the right time that also the yolk is perfectly cooked so that's really the trick is how do i get the crust because you can just crank the heat up and you can just you know keep going and you'll eventually you know get the crust on it and you, mm. and you'll be able to pull it off the pan but your whites i mean your yolks will be so badly overcooked that it'll suck So really that's the cadence is like, how do I get the pan the right temperature? And really it's real simple. You got to learn your stove and you have to learn your pans. And that's the other thing that it, you know, it's kind of like a wax on, you know, wax off type of a thing, you know, because it's going to also teach you at the same time, how hot your, how hot your stove is and how long it takes to get a pan hot on your stove. And what, what exact heat setting we'll get the pan the perfect temperature so that you can just leave it on the burner and walk around and get everything else ready. And then after you're all set, the pan's ready for you. And the pan cannot overheat because you have it set at the perfect temperature for the perfect heat in the pan. So once you learn that, on your stove. That's that's super powerful because now you can always set that pan to that setting anytime you want to cook chicken, salmon, anything. It doesn't matter what you want to sear. You know, that's a huge huge point because you're always ready with a hot pan at the perfect temperature for searing all the time. If you keep making crispy eggs, you will have that in your arsenal, and that's huge for a chef because that's one of the first things you have to learn on a sauté station. Anytime you work a sauté station in any restaurant, you got to learn the stove. The first week is just getting used to that stove. How hot it is over here, how how hot it how hot it is over there. But once you learn that once you learn that guy, man, you can fly on it because you are always ready with hot pans and you know where a simmer is, you know where a boil is, you know where everything is. You understand? So, this whole this whole process of learning how to do the crispy egg teaches you all of that and actually you know pretty much you know turns you into a saute chef overnight.
0: Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Hmm. So you always, always start with a hot pan first.
1: We're always start with a hot pan. The oil goes in, the oil smokes. The egg immediately goes in and cools the whole thing down and you don't touch anything. And at that point, you just want to make sure you have enough oil because you want to make sure that all there's a little bit of oil all around the egg. Now, the easiest way to learn how to do this is to use a little extra oil and to begin with one egg. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that will pretty much make it almost, you know, foolproof as long as, you know, the pan's hot. But, okay. Cause it's way harder to do it with two eggs and with less oil. So as you get better and better at it, you can take away a little more oil and a little more oil and a little more oil until when you do it now, when you're finished, there's literally no oil left in the pan.
0: What is your favorite quick vegetable to make?
1: Lightning kale always because it's basically the same concept. You get a pot really super 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 hot that you have like a you know that you have like a tight lid on, and you throw extra virgin olive oil in. The oil s- smokes on contact. You throw in some sliced raw garlic. As soon as the garlic turns. D- nice and brown. You throw wet kale in. So you have kale soaking in water on the side. So you throw wet kale in, cover it, shake the pot, turn the heat off. It's done in about three or four minutes and it's perfect Mm. every single time. And it's like barely cooked greens coated in a beautiful toasted garlic olive oil, put some, some coarse sea salt on top. For you know texture and saltiness, and it's it's the best way to have greens. I mean any greens, you could do that method with spinach, with collards, with anything. I mean literally black kale, green kale doesn't make a difference. You just have to take out the stems from the greens if they have really hard stems.
0: Oh right, like kale.
1: Like kale has super hard stems. But what I do also is I take the stems out of the kale and I'll just blanch them in you know water and I'll throw them right in with the lightning greens sometimes. Or I'll just, you know, use them for soup. You know, that's the other thing you know, that I'm doing is people waste a tremendous amount of food. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't cook also, because they're mm-hmm. always wasting food because they they go out and they buy food for a recipe. And then they have all these leftover items that they don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I'm teaching more than anything else is I'm giving you lots of methods to get rid of oddballs of everything. The garlic and oil method that I teach, which is probably the most nutritional you have to. I I mean, you can't talk about nutrition without talking about the garlic and oil method, because it will clean out your fridge whenever you whenever you need to of whatever scrap vegetables you have. And you're Mm. and you're literally eating garlic, olive oil and vegetables with pasta. Come on. It's so good for you. And literally your whole kitchen now can have zero zero waste as far as vegetables is concerned, which is one method.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the Brodo method?
1: Well, you know, that's the other thing is at, that also obviously helps you with all of your waste because every little scrap of meat or, you know, bone or whatever is left over from anything that you've done obvious can, obviously can go right into the Brodo, okay? And also all of your scraps of, of onions, leeks, scallions, whatever you have, carrots, celery, all the aromatics for the Brodo. So, and, and, you know, the process I think is really important, you know, for everybody, you know, to go through because it's such a methodical thing. And I mean, it's like a campfire basically, you know, I mean, you have it up there on the stove. I mean, I, I stretch it out, you know, for three days in my house. So, mm. you know, cause I make, you know, brodo and sugo, which you have to make, you know, sugo too. You can't just make brodo because if you don't make sugo, you're wasting all of those, you know, bones and meat. You got to take a second extraction from them, unless mm-hmm. you, you unless you know you have a dog that you know you want to feed it, but that's not really what you're supposed to feed dogs. You're not supposed to feed them stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so you know what yeah. I mean. But what I do is we take a second extraction. You can see this method also; it's up in my highlights, and I go through the the entire thing. It's literally a three day process because we also reduce out the sugo. So what we do is we take a first extraction from the bones and the meat, and then I. I immediately refill it up with cold water, throw it back up on the stove, bring it back to a boil and take a second extraction over the next eight to 10 hours. I, then I strain that. And at that point, there's nothing left in the bones or the aromatics or the vegetables that are in the pot. I throw it all away. And I take that second extraction and I, and I reduce it by 95%
2: Mm.
1: all the way down to a concentrated meat. Glaze that will blow your blow your mind. I mean, you can you can take a literally take a paintbrush and brush it on meat, okay, and just glaze it with the flavor of meat. You could you could put meat flavor on vegetables, on anything that you want. I mean, it's literally liquid meat. And if you're using really good meats, like I always am, I'm using you know grass fed, you know beef shanks, organic, you know heritage, you know turkey. That's what I you know usually used to make my brodo and, and i and if if i have some other scraps in the house i'll throw them in but it's usually just a little piece of pork or a little piece of this or you know that it's mostly you know turkey and beef but that is a powerhouse protein right there and it's mm-hmm. and, it, and it's highly concentrated and it's highly purified also Brooke, because it's simmered for hours and hours it's simmered and skimmed constantly until it goes all the way down to reduced by And I mean, that's complete power in the kitchen because you have a sauce ready for any dish at a moment's notice. I mean, you're basically operating a saucier's, you know, station out of your home. If you make Brodo and Sugo, because that's Mm -hmm. what a saucier does. He, he maintains stocks and sauces. Okay. Of all different flavors for all the sauces that are on the menu inside that restaurant. You only have to have one of those because you can have one that is relatively neutral and just use it for everything. And that's what I'm, you know, basically, you know, preaching here is you get a beautiful broth out of this with turkey and grass-fed turkey and grass-fed beef. I mean, come on. How how healthy is that? And then you get the sauce as the sauce as well and you are prepared at a moment's notice to have whenever anyone's sick to have a beautiful, rich nutrient, you know, dense, you know, broth right there for your kids or for your, or for your friends. I mean, I give this stuff away all the time. And that's what I tell people to do. I say, look, make it, make lots of it, make as much as you can fit in your freezer. That's how to figure out how much, you know, you can make is to say, well, how many containers can I fit in my freezer? That's how much, you know, you can make. And, you know, you go out and, you know, you pick a pot, you know, accordingly. But what I do is I say no, I want to give some away too, so I go even more. I I make this gigantic pot and I give it to my family. I got I mean, there's nothing more special than making things like that and handing it out to your friends because it's very nurturing. I mean, come on, having a beautiful broth in the in the refrigerator to just heat it up and drink it like a cup of tea. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: And so healthy. So healthy. And so especially as it's getting cooler outside. It's just fun. A nice little kind of tea slash snack in the afternoon. Just and you
1: could know, just cook pasta in it, and and you have a meal instantaneously. Throw a little bit of you know greens in it, and you know you have a pasta in brodo right there. Huh. You can I never you can thought cook, about that. You can cook brown rice in it. You can cook anything you want in the brodo and eat it right in the brodo, and it's like mm-hmm. that's a meal. You know what I'm saying? Drop an egg in it, whip it up, egg drop brodo. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. it's endless what you can do with it. I mean, and you know, you can. I mean, you can keep it in your freezer for for over over a over a year without any problem. I've done it many times. Just always bring it back to a boil every time you pull it out of the freezer. That's all. Huh.
0: You're really making me wish I still lived in the East Village in Manhattan because I'd <laughs> just walk right on over and get some of that proto.
1: <laughs> yeah, we serve it, but we don't serve it on its. We don't serve it on its on its on its own. I'm, unless someone asks for it but mm. you know we serve it with pastina at, at frank restaurant we serve it at at supper with uh how do we do it at supper again we do a zuppa pavese which is like with wild mushrooms and charred bread oh so good that one's really good i gotta i gotta go there and have that again yeah the perfect time to have that now too you know
0: yeah, thanks it's a lot. Right a after point. I tell you, I move across the country. Oh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll be I'll well, back. You can just your, make
1: but... it, Brooke. I mean, I know, I know. My okay. method is right up there, man. Just I make know. it.
0: No, I actually have been saving a bunch of scraps in my freezer of bones and everything well, from vegetables, so.
1: Absolutely, but you're going to, to make a broth, you, you need meat, though, too. So, you know. Okay. You're going to need to get some kind of meat, whether it be you know, turkey or, you know, beef and, you know, I always recommend super gelatinous, you know, cuts like, you know, shanks and heads and feet and shoulders and cheeks, all the stuff that gets constantly used by the animal over and over again is what has the most, you know, gelatin, which really makes complete sense if, you know, you think about it is because it's, it's such a really dense, you know, muscle because, you know, the muscle never stops moving. So right, that's what yeah. creates, you know, gelatinous, you know, cuts. Plus, they're also super tough. So you see, you can't use any of those cuts for like a steak. You know what I'm saying? So right. they you can really only use them if you're gonna cook them over very long periods of time where you're gonna develop the gelatin in them and, and you're gonna relax the connective tissue. So so they need like six to eight hours sometimes before they get tender. But once they get tender, they're like jello because they're so full of gelatin and the flavor is unlike anything else again, because it's used so much. Okay. I mean the piece of meat on an animal that has the least flavor is actually a tenderloin mm. because it's completely unused and that's why it's also so tender because it's not used. The least used muscles are the most tender the and have the least gelatin. The most used or the least tender have the, have the most yield.
0: Hmm. And, yeah, our, I, our,
1: yeah. and, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a big difference.
0: That makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've mentioned extra virgin olive oil, the grass fed butter. If that's something, you know, that fits into your budget, you can get your hands on a good sea salt. What are some of the other staples that you keep on hand for just whipping up very simple, flavorful meals and snacks?
1: Well, I, I always have a variety of salts. I always have a a variety of peppers, a variety of spices, and everything always whole, which is also, you know, something I'm always talking about is that you don't want anything that's already been pre-ground, nothing in your kitchen that has been pre-ground. You get a mortar and pestle and a coffee grinder, and you can grind your own spices right there on the spot. And that's really going to be the – that's – I mean, that's really the secret of how really to flavor foods also. Because there's such a big difference between, like, for instance, like when you take a cinnamon stick, an actual cinnamon stick, and you grind it fresh, okay? And then you open up a container of, you know, ground cinnamon. Or when you smell, you know, pre-ground, you know, cumin seeds, for instance, or nutmeg. or
2: mm-hmm.
1: Because the natural oils are still naturally preserved inside, whatever it is, you know, whatever the spice is. Once you crack that open, it starts to evaporate out. Everything starts to evaporate out, all the flavor does. So really what's probably the most important part of my kitchen as far as flavoring things is, you know, that particular point that everything is finished and spiced with these fresh, fresh ground spices, herbs, everything else. So that's key. Um, I always have grass-fed cream in my kitchen. (laughs) I always have Mm -hmm. raw yogurt in my kitchen. I always have, um, grass-fed milk. Now there's a website called RealMilk.com that -hmm. you can go on and you can see it. If, if there are any raw milk dispensaries or raw milk farms, close to you that you can maybe drive to. We're lucky here in New York, we have utter milk and they deliver it twice a week to me. So I, so I always have the highest quality dairy, all raw dairy. So I have raw grass fed butter, raw grass fed cream. So, I mean, I feel really good about giving my kids high quality fats because I, I know that they're growing and that they can take a lot of calories. I mean, I couldn't gain weight until I was almost 35 years old. And, you mm-hmm. know, both my sons are, you know, going to be the same. So I'm not worried about their calorie count. I'm just worried about making sure that they have, you know, the highest quality calories. And what I love about having those high quality, you know, fats is that the kids freak out about it. I mean, <laughs> You can I mean I can give them anything I want in that cream and they will eat it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Spinach, kale, anything. So from a nutritional standpoint, if you could find that for your family, I would I would I would I would drive a hundred miles once a week for that. No problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think that it was fucking worth it. You know, absolutely, you know, worth it. But other than that, I mean, as far as in my kitchen, I mean it's just I bring in whatever's available, you know, at the green market. I do a lot of local shopping, you know, I bring a lot of vegetables in. I always have kale in the house. I always have sweet potatoes in the house. I always have uh, uh, sweet onions, Spanish onions, all different, you know, all different types of, you know, potatoes in the house. I'm always playing around with food and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, that's kind of, you know, what's really, you know, resonating with people with you know, the methods that I've been doing is they're free to go out and buy whatever looks good in the market and then come home and use my methods to, you know, to to prepare amazing meals from it. So, you know, you don't have to worry so much as long as you are always getting fresh food and you're eating a lot of fresh food. I mean, you could just make everything garlic and oil. You can make everything, you know, lightning greens, you know, I mean, there's so many things, you know, that I'm showing, you know, from a nutritional standpoint that really make it fairly easy once you get a few of the methods down so i always have different stuff in the house always have different stuff but that's the stuff that i always
0: have but i love that point that you just made where it's less prescriptive it's not follow this exact recipe and get all these ingredients like you said that may go to waste
1: yeah and 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 instead
0: learn the methods and just cook anything
1: exactly and how are you going to flow when you're You're at the stove. I mean, you can't get any kind of a rhythm together because you're constantly looking at the piece of paper. I mean, that's there's no joy there. I mean, I can forget the world when I cook, you know what I mean, completely, and really just, you know, get into a real zone, you know, and it immediately relaxes me, makes me happy, makes me feel better. I put a little bit of music on. I mean, that's really what I'm teaching people more than anything else is how to flow how to flow in the kitchen is like learning how to play improvisational jazz, Brooke. You know, it, yeah. it, I mean, it, it, it can feel that good because when everything comes out amazing and your family is in awe of you, I mean, literally. I mean, I have guys telling me, like, my kids never respected me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and it's like they're telling me, like, you know, secretly, they're like, I can't believe what's happening in my family. They're like, I'm turning into a patriarch, Frank. And I'm like, this is I'm like, dude, that's what I'm looking for. I want to turn all these people into matriarchs and patriarchs because that's what my I mean, I had that, you know, that was beautiful, Brooke. I had my grandmothers who were real matriarchs, you know, and real amazing chefs. And they, they took care of all of us. They cooked for all of us. And it made me feel secure, it made me feel happy, it gave me confidence that they were there, you know. And, and I and I think in a lot of families, no one's cooking, no one's taking care of anyone. And it's a big missing component.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and as you mentioned, the oils that they're using in your takeout or your restaurant food, 99% of places aren't using the extra virgin olive oil or the no. grass-fed butter. So you're also doing such a service for your health when you're actually cooking for yourself.
1: Yes. And there's nothing like the food that comes from your own hands. I mean, really, there's just nothing like it. I mean, it's it has I, I believe, especially if you're feeding your family, it has healing powers. I mean I mean it really does. It has healing powers. I mean, I totally believe that. I don't care if anyone thinks I'm crazy. I, I think that it's I mean like I know it does because when you put that kind of love into something, it it, it comes out in out of your digestive tract. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. It really it, it really translates into emotion, raw emotion. I mean, I can cry right now just thinking about my grandmother. I mean,
2: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know,
1: it's just, you know, what they did for us is, is, you know, insane.
0: Yeah, it's really powerful. Well, I'm so grateful for your time and just everything you've shared today. And I can't Thanks. wait for everybody to connect with you on Instagram and to learn these methods. I love how you have them as highlights, so it's really easy if you. You don't have to scroll through your whole feed. You can just go to the top right. and find yeah. I mean everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah, I mean and you could probably spend two hours watching those, and then there you have it. All the methods you need to cook anything.
1: And you know, then I have all my IGTV posts, which are, <laughs> there's quite a bit of content. I mean, it literally is a rabbit hole right now. I mean, I mean, I'm always asking people, you know, to you know to fall down the rabbit hole with me because I I really feel like they're gonna get something out of it. You know, so I mean, and I put so much work into it and. I didn't even think about how I did it, Brooke. I just kind of did it, you know? And and mm-hmm. I'm and I and I'm and I'm, I'm kind of really proud of that too because it's completely unplanned. And then you know, it just came out of me, you know, like you know, kind of how I wanted to say it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff there, and I answer everyone's messages. So it's like
2: mm-hmm.
1: any questions. I mean, I have it's unbelievable how respectful people are of my time on DM. It really is. I mean, it's unbelievable how I don't have any, I have very few negative, you know, comments also. It's like, I don't know if I could really be doing it if I was having so many negative comments, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I really feel like I pick kind of a nerve with people as far as, especially with the pandemic and, you know, everything else is just that like, why wouldn't you try to learn
0: to cook right now? Yeah. Well, I think it's also your authenticity and, People see that. I think so much of social media is planned and is, you know, let me have the perfect feed and colors and all of these superficial things. So I think yeah. people really find your page and see how raw and authentic you are and really respect and admire and connect with that.
1: I think that's also been helping. And I mean, I'm just I'm just really happy that, you know, people are really learning how to cook. And that I mean, I can't believe, you know, that I'm able to get into these people's homes, you know, like. I'm literally right there in their homes with them, you know, helping them, you know, feed their families. I mean, it's so rewarding. I mean, I I feel like I'm, you know, the luckiest guy in the world, honestly.
0: Yeah. Well, the final question I ask each of my guests is based on the title of the podcast. And the question is, what does it mean to you to make the health investment?
1: What does it mean to me to make uh, to make the health to... investment in who? Yeah.
0: In just life, like in your own life and other people, I mean, what does the health investment mean? Investing.
1: More, in your own oh life? my, my! Uh, well, I just had this conversation with my son today. You know, you put lousy gasoline into the car, and the car doesn't run as well. It's just as simple as that. I like to be running at full efficiency at all times. I love how I feel when I'm eating healthy because I'm literally high on life all day long. I mean, mm-hmm. be. be because I'm eating root, nutrient dense foods, my body has everything it needs, and my brain is functioning at, you know, its optimal capacity. That's what I get. I'm 55 years old this year. You know, I don't know how many years I have left. I mean, I want to get the most out of every single one of
0: them. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you know, you're feeling great today, but you're likely extending, if not your lifespan, at least your health span—the amount of years you'll be healthy.
1: I think that I'm gonna live. I'm going to live to be over a hundred years old. I'll tell you the truth.
0: I, I wouldn't doubt it.
1: <laughs> I am definitely one of those type of people that I am all over it. I am just constantly concerned about, I mean, I'm so concerned. I'm, I mean, I've already taken care of myself. Now I'm worried about everybody else. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm already solid, you know, and I cheat a lot, but yeah, I mean, I cheat a lot, but it's always within reason. So, I mean, I'm living proof that, you know, what I'm saying, you know, works. And, you know, it's not just me. I mean, all my people that are around me, you know, all my managers, all my family, they all follow what I do and they've all lost weight, enormous amounts of weight. And they're and they're all working more, which is great for me. Okay, mm-hmm. And they're all obviously a lot happier. And I mean, it really is making this health investment is the most important investment in everyone's lives because money will come more likely after you do this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Mm -hmm. if you're out there worried about money and jobs and all that kind of crap and you're eating like shit, you are already so handicapped in your quest that you need to take a few steps back, detox fast, clean out your system and get serious about your diet. Okay, And then you will be able to conquer the world.
0: Mm, Yeah, such a great point. Where can listeners follow and find you? So your Instagram, you can share with everybody, is?
1: At Frank Prison Zano, my full name. So F-R-A-N-K, P as in Peter, R as in Robert, I, S is in Sam, I, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, A-N-O, Prison Zano. That's how I always say it to people. It's kind of our family thing. My father says it that way, too, when describing our name.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, awesome. <laughs> I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So that'll be yeah. easy for everybody to click on. And then are you active on any other social media or is that pretty much I, for you?
1: I'm pre- I was very active on okay. s- Snapchat when it first came out because that's where I was doing all of my, you know, tutorial stories because mm. that's what stories come from <laughs> Snapchat. Right. You know yeah. They, You know, Instagram stole it. So yeah. I switched it over to Instagram. So I was on Snapchat. I, I've, I haven't been on Facebook and you know, since the beginning of Facebook, so I'm not on Facebook. I'm just pretty much on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, YouTube is youtube.com slash frank.
0: Oh, okay. Awesome. I'll put a link to that as well. There's a whole and then... bunch of
1: stuff there, too. There's actually there's five seasons of a travel show that I did with all kinds of Italian travel. You guys should check it out. It's on that show. Oh.
0: Awesome! I can't wait to watch yeah. that. Yeah. When, and then, can you share with everyone your New York City restaurants?
1: Yes, I have three restaurants in the East Village. It's at Frank Restaurant, not Frank's. At Frank Restaurant on Instagram, okay, which is pretty, which is pretty easy to remember. At Little Frankie's on Instagram, but it's L I L Frankie's, F R A N K I E S. So it's L I L F R A N K I E S. And then I have at Supper NYC, okay, is also, is my third restaurant. So Frank Restaurant was my first restaurant. It's open 23 years this year. Wow, I,
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you. I, I opened it in June of 1998, huh. and it, and th- three, well, uh, three years later, Right before the planes hit the building, I signed the leases on Little Frankie's and Supper at the same time, which was pretty crazy. But Frank got busier after the planes hit, and it and it actually funded the other two restaurants. So everything ended up working out. But I opened up Little Frankie's in uh, January of 2002, and I opened up Supper in April of 2002. So I opened them up back to back, and I opened up five other restaurants, and actually Three other restaurants and one coffee shop. After that, but I sold them all and I got rid of all of them. So, okay. so I just came back to my original three. I'm I'm the sole owner of these restaurants. There's just it's just me, and yeah. I and that's one of the reasons why you know it also works. You know because there's just one voice with us, and you know it really does help. You know, it really does. Yeah. Help.
0: Well, hopefully, you know, when travel opens up a bit more and. We can all go back to New York City. Uh, yes. We'll all go there and meet you in person.
1: That'd be great. Uh, the addresses are, just in case, is Frank is on 2nd S- Avenue between 5th and 6th Street. Little Frankie's is on 1st Avenue between 1st and 2nd Street. We call that the nexus of the world over there, 1st and 1st. And uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, Supper is on 2nd Street between Avenue A and Avenue B. And... Little Frankie's is a Naples pizzeria, Frank Restaurant is a southern Italian trattoria, and Supper is a northern Italian osteria. So between the three restaurants, we cover the whole boot.
0: Yeah, so fun. I had mentioned to you that I had a couple birthday parties at Supper, and I love that back room where you let...
1: The Milano room.
0: Yeah, and you can plug in your own music, and, and you, you got your own
1: bathroom. Style.
0: It's so fun. You have your <laughs> and you walk you through know, the hotel.
1: Yeah, yeah, that place is. I mean, that's where I have my parties if I don't have them here at my house. <laughs> so.
0: It was so fun. It's like the best kept little room. In it is City, only think.
1: for our really only for our you know best clients you know we save it for so yeah that's you, awesome you you obviously they obviously I must have liked hat. you otherwise they <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't have given it to you
0: <laughs> awesome well, I feel so honored. <laughs> Well, yes. thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. It was the pleasure, just no. the best. And I could talk to you for another two hours. But. <laughs>
1: easily, easily. How long were we talking for? I'm, I'm just curious. It's I haven't even been looking.
0: An hour and five minutes about. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, so it's one of the longest, but I would say also one of my most enjoyable and informative interviews. Thank so very, very grateful to have you. And I look forward to meeting you someday when I'm back in New York City
1: please look us up. Absolutely. We'll have dinner with Pete.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis.